Good morning. Good morning. There we go. It's good to be here, isn't it? Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, it's like a jigsaw puzzle here, finding... I'm just going to put that down there. Okay. Have you ever wondered <clears throat> what God's doing? Yeah, I have. I mean, there's lots of times in my life, actually, I'm not going to go into a list because it'll be a bit boring after a while, when I've, I've prayed, God, what are you doing? Like, duh, you know, really, this isn't how I'd run the universe, you know? <laughs> it's just as well I don't run the universe, by the way, um, because I, I'll say right now, my testimony is, as I've gone through the years of my life, and sometimes I've looked back on those periods and God has been doing things where I've been going, you know, duh, what are you doing, God? And I've looked back on that period and gone, oh, oh that's what you were doing. Oh, good, good. <laughs> well done, God, you know. Um, I, I, I wouldn't have done it that way and it wouldn't have, wouldn't have ended up so well, okay? God knew what he was doing. And, uh, you know, sometimes old eagle eye hindsight is the best vision you can have when you look back and say, oh, oh, yeah, God knew about this, so that's why you did that, and it all fits into place. And I'm the kind of guy who likes to have things fitting into place, and over the years I've, I've learned to live with this tension that sometimes there will come a time when I will understand what's going on now, and for some things there will never come a time that I will understand what's going on now, and that's okay too, okay? Because God does know what he's doing. And I guess that comes from you know, learning that God actually has got this, I want to spend a bit of time this morning talking about a, a fellow we uh, actually see quite a bit of in several chapters of Scripture, and he's, he's well known, um, a guy by the name of Elijah. And I think, think anyone who's been to you know, several church services and half a dozen Sunday school classes or, or, or kids' church classes, they, they know, they've heard about Elijah somewhere along the line. He kind of rates up there along with Noah and and nearly up there with Jesus sometimes with how much attention we pay to him because he's such an amazing character and he's someone who has really caught my attention over the years partly because his ministry seems so amazing, so fantastic. There's fire bolts out of heaven, you know, bang! Ooh, okay, this guy's got a channel open to God, hasn't he? You know? and, and so he, he catches attention because of that. But he's also caught my attention because of some of the not-so-spectacular things in his ministry too and some of the not-so-glamorous parts of his life. And it's actually one of those not-so-glamorous parts of his life I want to concentrate on this morning. Um, in the lead-up to this part of his life, we can read in 1 Kings chapter 18 that Elijah has had, has had one of his amazing highs. There's been this showdown, you know... <laughs> It's almost like uh, the image in my mind is like one of those old westerns and the guys, they, they pace out and they turn around and go bang, you know, and, and, and shoot each other. As the, well, if you've never watched a western, you don't know what I'm talking about, but um, that's what they do. And there's like this, this shootout 
between Baal and, and Yahweh. And Elijah is representing Yahweh there at Mount Carmel. And there's the altar. And he's, he's, he's thrown down the gauntlet. He's laid the challenge. Okay, you guys build an altar. I'll build an altar. You put a sacrifice on your I'll put a sacrifice on my altar. Catch, we're not going to light the fire. See whose God lights the fire. And of course, Baal was you know God of fire and lightning as well as fertility and bringing storms and weather. And so you know the Canaanites there and the Israelites who lived in Canaan would have gone, oh, well, Elijah, what are you doing? This is, this is Baal's strength here. You know, what, what are you doing? And of course, perhaps you know the story, uh, Baal couldn't. He was silent. I can kind of imagine God was just kind of standing on him a little bit there. Shut up. You know, um, don't answer. And he, and he couldn't, right? And then Elijah prays and pow, you know, there's this pillar of fire from heaven. And as the scripture says, it didn't just burn up the bull, it burned up the wood and the altar. And there's like this mess, you know, yeah. it was just overkill. And Elijah, he's pumped now and he's, he's ordered, you know, these, these, these prophets of Baal who've been leading the people of Israel astray, you know, they've got to go, you know, they're gone. And he, he, then he runs all the way back to Samaria from Mount Carmel in front of the king's chariot. Now, those horses weren't galloping, but they were probably going a bit faster than I can run anyway. And there's Elijah, and this is quite some distance. This is a, this is a marathon and some, okay? And there's Elijah in front of the chariot, and he makes it on this almighty, I don't know, the, the power of God was in his legs, and he just got there be, before the king's chariot, and he must have been so pumped. Oh, he was ready to go. He's like, oh, I've proved it now. All Israel's going to know that, that Yahweh is God and Baal isn't, and ah, success at last in ministry and, oh, yes, my, you know, I've proved to everyone that Yahweh is God and everybody now is going to do the right thing. They're going to keep God's covenant. They're going to turn to God. They're going to forsake Baal. And the next thing that happens is he gets this note from Jezebel. You're dead, mate. Basically what it said, you know, may the gods deal with me ever so severely if by this time tomorrow I've not done the same to you as you did to the prophets of Baal, which is like, watch out, the executioner is coming, okay? Um, which must have puzzled <clears throat> Elijah a little bit. That, hang on, that's not the right response. <laughs> Sorry, We've, well, I've just proved that Baal is, beside Yahweh, Baal is powerless, and Yahweh is God, and all of Israel is going to follow. I'm sorry, Queen Jezebel, what, that wasn't the right response. And Elijah's response to that is to run for it. Like, uh oh, I'm dead. Okay, I'm out of here. I'm ra- into the desert, head south, down to Beersheba. And there was a, some guy he had with him, a, a Bible just says a servant with him, and he, he left him behind at Beersheba. And out into the desert he went and he prays, God, kill me. Kill me. Now, I don't know, I'm not a psychologist, but. I've learned over the years to kind of start to pick up some of the symptoms of depression. I think Elijah is depressed. Okay? Big time. Big time. Wants to die. He's I'm, I had enough. I've done my best. I've played my trump. I've played my ace. And look what it did. Nothing. Okay. Well, that was a waste of time. Obviously, I've failed. I've failed God. I've failed myself. And everything I can do is not enough. Have you ever been in that situation where you've, you've looked at what you did and you said, 
I might have made some small mistakes, but no big ones. I actually did the right thing, and I did it with all my strength. I did it with all my heart. I was convinced it was going to work, and it didn't. Or maybe a period in your life where you've looked back over that period in your life and you've said, I, I was doing the right thing. I, I was faithful to God and I, I did what he wanted me to do and nothing happened. Or worse, maybe even worse, something did happen. It was the other way. And you're looking at it and going, I stuffed it up. I, I don't know what it was I did. I thought I was doing the right thing, but look what's happened. Look at the results. And I, I might as well, it would have been better if I hadn't been here, you know? I, I don't know if you felt like that. I, I know some people feel like that. And there have been a couple of times where I've, I've just looked at a, a period of my life and gone, well, that was a waste. Unfortunately, I've learned better later. Yeah, but. I think most of us go through periods like that where we get there and go, what am I doing? What is, what is this? I, I had such hopes. I had such dreams. I, this was the program, you know, that we were going to go there and we've gone here and now there's this gap and what's going on? What's going on, God? What are you doing? This is, this is not the way I would run the universe. No. Nah. I think most of us have been there. I have. Anyway, I'll speak for myself. I've been there. And that's where Elijah is when he runs down to to Horeb, probably probably, uh, Mount Sinai. And he probably went there because he thought, this is where God gave Moses the, the law, you know. And if I can find God and work out what he's doing anywhere, it's going to be there. That's That's where I'm going to find him. He's, God must have seemed so distant to him. Can you imagine? This just a few days ago, this guy was calling fire out of heaven. Yeah? I talk about highs and lows. Right? And yet, here he is a few days later. He's going, I've got to find God somehow, and I don't know where I can find him. If I can find him anywhere, it'll be at Horeb. Let's go there through the desert several days. And he gets there. I'm going to just read a few verses from, uh, from 1 Kings chapter 19, beginning at verse 9. And we'll just kind of take the story as it comes along here. And the word, this is after he gets to Horeb. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? <laughs> oh, dear. I, I, this is something about that question. And <laughs> would have, if I'd been in Elijah's place, I would have gone, uh-oh. You know, it's not the same. I mean, it, it reminds me, in fact, of, of Joshua after the Israelites have been thrashed at Ai. And he's on his face praying to the Lord and pleading the Lord's face. And God turns up and says, what are you doing on your face, Joshua? <laughs> now, it's different. It's not the same thing. Because in that case, the Israelites had sinned. And that's why they had lost at Ai. In this case, Elijah hadn't sinned. He hadn't done anything wrong. But there's still that implication in the question that you don't really need to be here Elijah okay in the first question it was Joshua you're on your face but it's actually not going to make any difference you didn't do it the way I told you to so that's why you fail what are you being on your face is not going to change that and here he says to Elijah um I don't think you've got the whole picture Elijah yeah that's probably what he's saying there 
What are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Now, in Elijah's framework here, let me just, just in case you, you, you're not aware of this, they, they believed, and quite rightly, that you know, God is all-powerful and he is all-holy and is, is just all-amazing. And is someone, like God's so holy he can't exist in the presence of sin. So if you're sinful and you come into the presence of God... Guess, guess what gives? Right? It ain't God. Right? Um, Isaiah had that kind of image. Isaiah chapter 6, he saw this vision of God in the temple with his train of his robe filling the temple, which was a symbol of his majesty and might and his victories. And he, and he sees God there. And his first thought in Isaiah chapter 6 is, uh-oh, I'm a dead man. That was, that was Isaiah's first thought. I've seen God and he was waiting for the lightning bolt. Hmm? And, and perhaps you know that story too. That wasn't how it ended. God extended his grace, dealt with Isaiah's sin, and then sent him out to be a prophet to, to his people. Praise God. And here, God's just said to Elijah, get out of your cave because I'm going to walk by. You imagine what Elijah's feeling at this point. He's just said to God, I failed. Okay, walk out of your cave. I'm about to walk by. His heart's doing about... 200 beats a minute at this point. Yeah? He's like going, whoa. <laughs> is he coming from that way or is he, is he going to come from that way? <laughs> he would have been pretty like a cat on a hot tin roof at this point. Yeah? Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. Okay, Elijah's warming to the, up to the east. Oh, here he comes. Yeah? But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord's not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. A couple of things going on here. <laughs> First of all, when there was the gentle whisper, Elijah knew. Here he comes. He knew. Yeah. This guy actually is communicating with God. Don't let that point slip by. Okay? He has not turned his back on God. He's depressed. He wants to die. He's not turned his back on God. Okay? He is still communicating with God. And that is so, so important when we get in those places where we feel we can't do it anymore. Or we get in those places where we feel the last five years has just been a total waste. We get in that place, we've just got to get before God. We've just got to keep that, that communication open with him because as Peter said in John chapter 6, where else can we go? Yeah, Because Jesus turned to his disciples. A whole lot of people had walked away from Jesus after he started talking about eating his flesh and drinking his blood and they went, oh, please, and they, they left. And he turned to his 12, the 12 disciples who were gathered and said, are you going to leave too? And Peter's response was, where to? You've got the words of eternal life. Yeah. And that's where 
that's where we've got to be. When we, at that place where we've, we've decided the last few years were a total waste or we've totally failed or it's just not happening how it should or I want to die, you've just got to be in that place with where else is there to go? God, I'm at your feet. God, you are my only hope and I know you're my only hope. There's nowhere else to turn, so don't turn. Yeah? Stay there and wait on him. The second thing that's going on there, <laughs> remember this comes just a few days after Elijah calling bolts of fire out of heaven on Mount Carmel and blowing altars away and having this amazing, spectacular, incredible, oops, incredible victory. Let me just get that out of the way. Um, I, 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 no, I, I suppose there's a few Pentecostal pastors and quite a few Pentecostal Christians actually who would just love to call down a bolt of fire from heaven every now and again it would just be sometimes I feel look God why don't you just open their eyes you know just a just a bolt of fire from heaven or something and uh, we'd fill the seats in this church next Sunday you know why can't you do that yeah but we've seen it doesn't always work that way yeah Elijah called down bolts of fire from heaven and the next thing he got was a death threat yeah But the point I'm making here, Elijah knew about calling bolts of fire out of heaven. He'd seen it happen. He'd seen the amazing. He had seen the most incredible, spectacular, miraculous work of God. And here he is a few days later saying, God, where are you? And so God sends this earthquake. God sends this fire. God sends this mighty wind that, what does it say? Tore the rocks apart. Wow. But God wasn't in that. I think God was making a point. Which is not to say that we shouldn't enjoy the miraculous. Up far from it. Okay, far from it. That's not what I'm saying. But what I guess what I'm saying is that the signs follow the believer. The believer doesn't follow after the signs. Do you know what I mean? Um, and God was saying to Elijah, yeah, yeah, okay, that, was, that happened. That was good. I was there. I, I answered your prayers. I, I, you know, I lit the altar. I, I kept Baal from answering. I was there, absolutely. But hang on a minute. It's not the whole story, Elijah. Keep listening, Elijah. Yeah. And then there's this gentle whisper, and Elijah knew, oh, God's turned up. Yeah. That's always amazing when God turns up. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Another one of those oh, oh moments. When Jesus was speaking to Peter, do you love me, Peter? Yeah. Do you love me, Peter? Yeah. Do you love me, Peter? Okay, there's something I'm not getting here. Why is he keeping on asking me this question? I mean, I'm kind of putting myself in Peter's place. That's what I'd be feeling, you know? I already answered this question. Sorry, why are you asking me again? And Elijah, I guess, must have... I can only imagine he thought hey, God answered. He asked me the same question again. Am I not getting something? Anyway, he gives the same answer. I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. They've broken down your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword. And I'm the only one left. Now they're trying to kill me too. So we're back to depression. We're back to um, this is why I'm here, God. He's actually answered the, he's answered the question truthfully. What are you doing here, Elijah? Well, I'll tell you, God, why I'm here. You see, 
not only did Elijah have the, the communication channels open, he didn't try and put on something for God. Yeah? And it's pretty pointless anyway. He can see through you. Yeah? You might as well just be honest with him. And Elijah tells it like it is. He said, I'm ha- I've had it. I'm done with this. It's over. Sorry, God. Find someone else, mate, because <laughs> you tried me and it didn't work. See? God's reply is just one of those replies that only God can give. It is so amazing. <laughs> There's three things. God, reply, God doesn't actually directly address what Elijah says. Not directly. He does indirectly. But he says to him, go back the way you came. Go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael, king over Aram. Also, anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat from Abu Mahola, to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escape the sword of Hazael. Elisha will put to death any who escape the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. And it's just so much that God said to Elijah. And, this, and, and I can only assume from the story that follows is that he got it. He got what God was saying to him. And the first thing he says is to anoint... Actually, he says to anoint three, three different people. Right? Hazael as king over Aram. And if we go to... I'm, I'm not going to turn there now, but... Um, 2 Kings chapter 8, verse 12, it was actually Hazael when he became king of Aram in Syria that invaded the northern kingdom of Israel and caused great destruction in Israel. He says to anoint Jehu, king over Israel, and we're talking about the northern half, not Judah, but Israel, the northern, northern half of uh, the kingdom of Israel there. Anoint Jehu as king over Israel. Well, if you have a look, 2 Kings chapters 9 and 10, you will see two of the most bloody chapters in the Bible. After Jehu takes power in Israel, he exterminates the family of Ahab and Jezebel. Ugly stuff. I'm not going to go I'm not going to go there in you know, draw, draw conclusions from that. But the point that we, with old eagle eye hindsight, remember that perfect vision that you, know, you have once you've been through a few things and look back. Elijah has come to God and saying, they've, they've broken your covenant. They're faithless. They're chasing after Baal. They've killed all the prophets. And I'm the only one left. And God's saying, yeah, I know. I know, I've seen that. <laughs> and in saying that to Elijah, it, it's like, yeah, Elijah, I know where you are. I know, I know how you feel and I know why you feel that way, but don't throw it away. Don't, don't walk away from it because I've, I've got this, okay? I've, I've seen that. I know where you're at. I know what you've been doing. I know they've been faithless. I know they deserve judgment. I've got that. Yeah, leave that with me. It's all right. I know what to do about that. And God does ask Elijah to go and anoint the king of Aram who's going to invade the northern kingdom of Israel and cause great destruction. 
and to anoint the next king of Israel who will cause great destruction on the family of Ahab and Jezebel, the, the, the leaders of Israel at that time who had led the, the nation so badly astray. Judgment did come, not in the time of Elijah, incidentally. Okay? It was a number of years later. In fact, the anointing of Hazael and Jehu was actually done by Elisha, Elijah's successor. Elijah only did one of these three things. His successor, Elijah, did the other two. And the third thing he says is to anoint Elisha to succeed him. <laughs> There's two sides to that. One is, Elijah, your ministry is so amazing, it's going to have descendants. Okay? It's, going to be, it's going to go on and on and on beyond you. And that would have been something where Elijah would have gone, oh, thank you, God, that's amazing. In his culture, the idea... I mean, immortality was almost equated with having many descendants. You know, Your, your memory lived on in, in your descendants. Your influence lived on in your descendants. And, and your ministry, in this case, applying to Elijah's ministry, his ministry was going to live on in descendants. And so, so God's saying to him, anoint Elisha. He's, he's saying to Elijah... You know, your ministry is so important that it must continue after you're gone. And I'm going to work through your successor that you're going to choose. And that for Elijah would have been, oh, wow, that is awesome. Oh, yeah. And the other side of it is that God's saying to Elijah, you know, my plan for this world's bigger than you, Elijah. Did you know that? <laughs> yeah, um, you, you called firebolts from heaven and the next thing you got was a death threat. Okay, that didn't work the way you hoped. But my, I'm still on plan A. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sitting here in heaven going, ah, what am I going to do now? I have to go to plan B. No, God, God's not saying that at all. Yeah. God's saying to Elijah, yeah, I saw that. Thank you for being faithful, Elijah. You did the right thing. But we're still on plan A and this is the next part of it. Now, I don't know where that hits you, but that kind of thinking yeah, hits me where it, it really counts. Yeah. Because sometimes I look at where I've been and what I've done and what I've said to people and you know, you're thrashing around like a hand in a bucket and sometimes you, you stop thrashing and look at the bucket and say, what changed? Yeah. Um, and then somebody will come to you and give you a testimony about something you said to them in class last month and how that's just changed their ministry this month. And you go, okay, God, thank you. That's what I needed to hear that. Your plan is bigger than me. And I, I, can, I can stand and I can talk and I can teach and I can share my thoughts and I can share where I've been and I can get down and go, okay, that happened. Yeah? But I know, because this is the way God works, I know that someone somewhere heard that and it's changed something. If I am faithful to God and I'm faithfully doing what he wants me to do, God works. It's kind of, um, you know, the, the, Jesus said, unless you know, the Lord builds the house, the builder labors in vain. It's that kind of thing. You know, unless God turns up when the preacher speaks, he, he preaches in vain. You know? <laughs> it's that kind of thing. But I know that if I'm doing my part, God does turn up. And it's not just like thrashing your hand in a bucket of water. There's more happens than that. Yeah, because God's spirit gets into that and 
whoa, things change, you know, there's another bucket created or something, you know, oh, I don't know, they're stretching the image a bit much, but you know what I mean, it's, there's something that happens that God does in that situation. And so Elijah here comes, depressed, wants to die, he's failed, and he's just seeking after God somehow. And God says to him, well, plan A is bigger than you, Elijah. Yeah, I've noticed all those things you've said and I've got it. I'm going to do something about that. What's interesting at this point is verse 19 in 1 Kings chapter 19 where it says, So Elijah went from there and he found Elisha, son of Shaphat. And it goes on, the story goes on to describe him, um, how he, he selects Elisha to, to um, take over from him. Don't panic, this is not how you strip tease. This is... This is me getting warmed up, okay, and trying to untangle myself. There we go. Okay. All right, thanks. Sometimes there's just these little quiet things that you see in the Scriptures that I often skip over, and many people, I believe, often skip over. It just says, and so Elijah went from there and he found Elisha. Uh, I'm just reflecting on that and going, hang on. This guy was out of ministry a minute ago. He was finished, like I failed. God, kill me. Or if you're not going to do that, well, I'm finished anyway. Okay? That's where he was when he came to Horeb. And now he goes away from Horeb to doing what God says. What happened? Some, something. Somehow there was, there was some infusion of strength. Or did he just grit his teeth and keep going? The Bible doesn't say. Okay? The Bible doesn't say, but he found strength. He found strength. He endured. Oh, I've heard that word before this morning, haven't I? Yeah. And I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us whether Elijah was filled with some marvellous spiritual experience where he suddenly felt pumped up again and right off to get Elisha, we're in business again, or whether he just walked away from Horeb, still struggling, and he just gritted his teeth and said, I'm going to do what God said. We don't know. We don't know what the... The scripture doesn't tell us which of those it was. I don't know which it was. But either way, Elijah went on and did what God said. And, and we know it's a beautiful thing about us reading stories like this in the scriptures is that we know what happened afterwards. We've got the benefit of that old eagle eye hindsight. We know that Elisha went on and had an amazing ministry. We know that he went and did what God said and anointed Hazael and, and Jehu. And we know that that judgment was carried out. We know that Elisha did many amazing things. Probably scholars think he started up that thing called the, the School of the Prophets, which led to a, um, a, a preserving and developing of uh, prophecy in Israel and, and interpretation of Torah in the life of the people of Israel. It was just an amazing thing that, that Elisha did over those years. And we know that Elijah didn't know that, but he trusted God and he just, he went and did, he just went and did it. He went and did what God wanted him to do. So God is bigger than us. Plan A is bigger than us. And sometimes when we get to a place in our lives either personally or corporately. It can be sometimes as a, as a church these things can happen too. You can get to a place where you think, this wasn't where it was supposed to go. 
<laughs> What's happening here? Hey, hang on, I just checked my strategic plan from three years ago and we were up here. What are we doing down here? It didn't work, right? Something didn't happen according to plan. And so it could be personally or corporately. We get to those places where we go, mm, this, this is not right. We need to remember that God's plan A, and I'm talking about plan B, C, D, God's plan A is bigger than us. Yeah. And sometimes when we look at something and we think, well, that was a failure, God is saying, that was step one. Yeah? <laughs> that was step one. Now let's go on to step two. Right? Let's just keep, let's keep perspective on this. And, and God sees it. He knows where it's going. And he's got it. Yeah, he's, it's under control. God's got this. And I guess as I reflect on that experience that Elijah had and in my own life, I was kind of um, smiled to myself as we sang a couple of those songs earlier. It's, I just love the way God speaks to different people in the same morning. And the third song we sung talked about holding on to grace and holding on to hope. We know that God has got it, yeah? And we can hold on to that. We can't see it. Even the best of them at times couldn't see it. No, there's no shame in getting to a place where you go, I can't do this anymore. No shame in that. Elijah got to that place. The best of them did. But then Elijah went and found Elijah. Found Elisha, yeah? He did, he did the next thing God told him to do. For whatever reason, whether it was some amazing spiritual experience or whether it was just gritting his teeth or it was somewhere in between, all those things are possible. Yeah, but the important point is he went on and found Elisha. He did the next thing that God. He went to step two, in plan A, yeah, that God had just revealed to him. <laughs> but the question I always ask, you know, analytical mind up here, what are we holding on to? And if we can't see it, what? How can we hold on to it? And uh, and that's really where the the focus is. Jesus, isn't it? Surrendered to his ways, are the words in the song there? Yeah. Jesus at the centre of it all. That was in a song too, wasn't it? Yeah. So for us, you know, it's, it's all about Jesus and what his plan is. Just like Elijah sitting there in Horeb, he can't see past the end of his nose, just like we can't sometimes. And we just all we see is the end of step one. We think, well, that wasn't so good. I'm finished. I'm out of here. And God reveals to him step two. So I want to encourage you. When you hit those moments where it all seems over, you're fed up with it. Maybe you're, you're stressed out. You're, you're burnt out. It happens. Start talking to God about step two. Yeah? Are you, are you hearing me? Yeah? Yeah? Our vision is not perfect. It gets better as time goes on because we can look back and we go, oh, <laughs> yeah, that was good, God. Thanks for that. Ask God about step two. Yeah? Um,
Um, perhaps if the yeah, thanks. Lord, I want to thank you um, for the way you you deal with us, Jesus. The way you care for us. The way you um, engage with us. The way you speak to us. The way you hold us and encourage us and push us and all those things, Jesus. Thank you. And Lord Jesus, uh, I trust you. I, I don't see all your plan. I don't know where it's all going, but I trust you, Jesus. I trust you. Show me the next step as, as I go on in my walk, Lord Jesus, and whatever that next step is, just show me at the right time. And I know sometimes, Jesus, I've prayed, Lord, I want to know where to put my feet for the next 10 steps. Show me, and you haven't, and that's okay, Jesus. I trust you. Show me the next step. Show me where to go, Jesus, in this marvellous plan A of yours that leads us from glory to glory and from strength to strength. And uh, increase my vision, Jesus. Help me to see what you see. Help me to feel what you feel. Pray in Jesus' name.